Welcome to day 33 of Crikey's election cast. It's Friday, the 13th of May. I'm Cam Wilson. Crikey's associate editor, Amber Schultz, has been touring some of the most marginal seats in New South Wales this week. I spoke to her earlier today about what she's seen on the ground. Welcome, Amber. Hello. Good afternoon and TGIF. TGIF to you too and, and all those who observe. <laughs> You've been on the road now for a couple of days. Where have you travelled? So I've spent the last three days just travelling to the Gilmore and Eden Monaro electorate. So I started off in Nowra, which is about two hours south of Sydney along the coast, uh, where I attended a youth suicide prevention panel, uh, then went down to Batemans Bay before making my way into Eden Monaro, uh, travelling down to Cabago, Bega and back up through Cooma and Quianbian. Quianbian? Whoops. Next to Canberra. <laughs> Queenbian, yes. Queenbian. Too many locations um, to Canberra. And it, it's been really interesting because, of course, a lot of the region was totally decimated by the Black, Saturday, uh, Black Summer bushfires. Um, so it's really interesting to see uh, the difference of opinions and the different signs along the way and how the signs change sort of based on the suburb. You know, some have huge pro-liberal signs. Other have uh, photos of Scott Morrison and his... Um, you know, floral wreath from from Hawaii. Others have liar painted under liberal signs, and others have huge uh, signs for the Greens. So there's a lot of difference in opinion in the in the area. Well, let's dive into some of that difference of opinion. So Edmanaro has traditionally been a bellwether seat. Uh, this time around, it bears the scars of those black summer bush uh, black, black summer bushfires, rather uh, bushfires that you mentioned, um, like in Cabago, where a woman refused to shake Scott Morrison's hand. Can you tell me about if there's still any resentment about the bushfire response in that area? Yeah, and, and absolutely there is. So Cabago um, was really put on the map because uh, because of the this woman um, who refused to shake Scott Morrison's hand. This was uh, Zoe, um, who is a volunteer firefighter and at the time was pregnant. She lost her home on New Year's Eve and refused to shake hands with Scott Morrison until he pledged more money for the RFS. Um, but, of course, the region is relies heavily on agriculture, so there are a lot of pro-national candidates who feel that the, the nationals are the only party that do represent the um, the needs and the values of farmers. So it is interesting. There is still quite a bit of resentment. Those photos of Scott Morrison in his, you know, holiday in Hawaii are everywhere, um, you know, pictures of him with I don't hose a ho- hold a hose um, in a lot of different places. And a lot of people are really concerned that the flood response just showed that the government wasn't listening or learning um, because it was a lot of places were really slow to get help. Other people feel that they uh, were used as charity porn. Um, they also feel that the you know New South Wales resilience funding, which was supposed to get people back up and working and, and into homes, uh, has has really failed. There are still a lot of people living in in caravans or sort of in off grid settings uh, because they haven't been able to build a house. So there is a lot of resentment in the reason that they've felt forgotten and that you know they're still being forgotten. Um, but on the other side, we can't, of course, discredit, um, I hate to use the phrase, but the silent Australians, uh, a lot of the people in the region are farmers and they did benefit greatly from a lot of the grants and were able, able to, to sort of bounce back quite quickly um, with a lot of grants for fencing, for primary producers, for rebuilding um, milking sheds, things like that. So it is, uh, there is resentment, but I wouldn't say that, that everyone feels resentful. So that's really interesting. So who are the candidates in the seat? Are any standing out particularly resonating with either the people who are resentful or those, you know, quote unquote, silent Australians who have also benefited in the aftermath? 
So really interestingly, we don't have a national party uh, candidate in the area. Um, currently, it's run, it's held by Labor's Kirsty McBain. She holds it with a 0.9% margin. Uh, and she's the first woman to represent the electorate and was elected in 2020 in a by-election. And this was a really interesting by-election because uh, it was a lot of people sort of showing the coalition and the Liberal government that they were unhappy with how they'd been treated. Um, there is also some strong advocacy for the Greens, Vivian Harris. Uh, you'll see a lot more advocacy in sort of the, the hippier areas or, um, you know, the, the hippie cafes with all their brightly coloured, um, you know, art stores, everything like that. You wouldn't necessarily <laughs> do that on a, on a farmer's property. Um, but the real challenger is Liberal Jerry, Jerry Knuckles. Uh, so he's, he's an interesting person just because of his career history. Uh, he served in the Navy uh, and then he worked for World Vision Australia and UNICEF Australia. Um, and he's had a lot of support from the from the Liberal Party along the campaign trail. Um, you know, Barnaby Joyce has come and visited him, and he's uh, he's certainly investing a lot with um, uh, with his with his signs and with his advertising. But there is concerns that he doesn't actually live in the electorate. So he um, you know has a, a property in Canberra in the in the upmarket suburb of Griffith. Uh, his children still go to school there, and he's rented short term accommodation uh, in Jindabyne. Um, but his wife and children still live there and there are questions as to whether he's actually in the property or planning on renting that short-term property uh, long-term or, or a house in the region or whether he'll jet back up to Canberra. Yeah, that's very interesting. Hey, moving over to the seat of Gilmore, um, mm-hmm. Andrew Constance is an interesting figure, one who has uh, probably pretty well-known, but also um, c- kind of like, uh, you know, it's not quite straightforward. He has, of course, been uh, in state politics for a while um, and was very outspoken about Scott Morrison and the federal government's response to the bushfires. And now his candidacy in this is kind of in itself quite interesting. Where did you see him and what can you tell us about the campaign he's running? So I met Andrew at the suicide prevention panel hosted by Youth in Search in Nowra, um, and then he headed down to Batemans Bay uh, for pre-polling and to meet um, voters. So he's challenging Labor's Fiona Phillips uh, and the Greens' Carmel McCallum. Uh, Labor hold the seat by 2.6%. And as you say, Andrew is a really interesting case study. He was with the New South Wales Liberal government for for a very long time. Uh, He's been the treasurer, the minister for transport, um, but decided to move into the federal seat to represent local issues. Uh, He said he won't hold a ministerial portfolio. Even if he was offered one, he'd turn it down. He also openly criticised Scott Morrison following the fires. Uh, This was after the woman, Zoe, refused to shake his hand, saying he got the welcome he probably deserved, Um, which is, you know, really harsh criticism coming from another Liberal, but not necessarily one Scott Morrison uh, isn't used to by now. (laughs) Um, The relationship has been repaired and and Andrew is uh, focusing quite a bit on mental health. He said that the fires... Following the fires, he developed post-traumatic stress disorder and he is campaigning uh, for local issues. But I, I did ask him, you know, the, the fires were really front and centre as were the floods and, and COVID. And I asked him, you know, um, so much of this extreme weather pattern has a massive impact on mental health. Uh, w- would you do anything to go against the Liberals and against, you know, uh, on their climate policy? And he simply wouldn't answer, but did kind of acknowledge that these extreme weather events have you know, trickle down, uh, trickle down effects on on wellness, and he did want to address wellness. So that's been uh, the crux of his campaign: local issues and and the wellness of the community. Yeah, and just on the um, mental health stuff, um, you've written a little bit about this. Do you think that it, it could play a big uh, role as an issue in voters' minds this election? 
It, it's really, uh, look, I personally think so. I think, um, you know, we've seen so much funding um, announced in the past kind of two years because of COVID uh, for mental health funding, which is something we haven't really seen before. It's rare that mental health would be such um, so front and centre of politicians, you know, um, campaigns and speeches and, and mentioned so much, which is a really great thing to see. You know, it was actually during the third leaders debate, uh, Anthony Albanese, uh, they, they had to give Scott Morrison and Albanese had to give a compliment to one another. And, you know, Albanese did say the way you've addressed mental health, this is what I, I compliment you on. It's, it's been really good. So I think it, it will play a, be a really big part. But the tough thing is that it, it plays a massive part for a lot of young voters and young voters aren't necessarily um, going to cast their vote exactly how they want it or maybe aren't as engaged in, in politics as, as other demographics. So when I spoke to these kids in Nowra, I did ask them, you know, they attended this panel where um, the, the, the major parties were there and I asked, were you convinced? Do you think you'll change your vote? And they said, I, I have no idea who I'm going to vote for. I don't know anything about politics and I don't really care at this point in time. So, you know, yes, I think it's a major issue, but whether that will translate into people switching sides is, remains to be seen. And finally, just kind of broadening out from that, based on what you've seen while you've been travelling, what issues broadly do you think are top of mind for voters? So we're seeing all across the country that climate change is a mammoth concern. You know, this is why the independents are, are really rising because people feel that the liberal, the moderate liberals aren't don't exist or don't represent them. Um, so obviously, climate change is massive for regions that have really been decimated by extreme weather events. Um, and even for those who maybe don't believe climate change is a thing or is a big of an issue as others um, say it is, it's still sort of climate resources. Um, so, you know, farmers I spoke to said, you know, they, one of them didn't really think climate change uh, was a thing despite experiencing five years of drought and um, then flooding and bushfires. Um, he believed, <laughs> uh, but he, he said he'd vote for a party that could um, do better water management, that could build dams. So, you know, that, that sort of climate management is, is top of mind across the spectrum mental health, as, as I spoke about, um, and of course, cost of living and housing affordability. Housing in, in the two regions, and especially in Gilmore, cost of housing has skyrocketed. Um, this is because a lot of people across COVID decided, I'm done with the city living, I'm, I'm moving into um, you know regional areas, and, and Gilmore is really attractive for that because it's not too far from Sydney, only a couple of hours on the highway. But as well because rebuilding after the bushfires didn't happen as quickly as it was supposed to largely due to, due to COVID, you know, the price of timber and other building materials shot up. Um, then there were the grants for a lot of the housing programs, which meant that tradies or construction workers decided to stay, work closer into the city or work on bigger projects. Um, you know, when they could get construction workers, there were nowhere for the construction workers to stay. Uh, and, and of course, even just getting you know, things shipped to them, things um, transported down to them, be, be it, ha you know, construction materials or anything else, costs a lot more because of petrol prices. So uh, housing and cost of living is, is a huge, huge concern in the region, as it is in, in many other places. But I think this is, um, you know, a, a bigger issue there than, than in, other, in other areas like in Sydney. Right, there is certainly a lot going on. Um, Amber, thank you so much for, for chatting to us today. It's great to hear from you on the ground reporting. Love that. Uh, that is Amber Schultz, who is Associate Editor with us at Crikey. Uh, we'll be back, not tomorrow, but on Monday um, for another edition of the, of the Twitter Spaces Crikey election cast. 
But uh, if you want to catch up on any of the previous ones we've done, we have them on most podcast platforms. And also, don't forget to keep an eye out for our afternoon edition of the Crikey Daily. We're doing it twice a day uh, for the election. Okay, that's it for us today. Um, I'm Cam Wilson. Thank you very much for listening and uh, speak with you again soon. That was Crikey's Associate Editor Amber Schultz talking to me about what she's seen on the ground in some of New South Wales' most marginal seats. Thank you for listening to Crikey's Election Cast. We'll be back next week for the last week of the election campaign. If you have a spare moment, we'd love if you could review us on whatever podcast platform you choose. It helps other people find this podcast. <laughs>